chapter 89, Surmisings About Battle Creek. So um, let's go ahead and jump into our topic, our, our chapter for today. Um, Sister White starts off talking about uh, the work in Battle Creek. Has anybody ever visited Battle Creek? Any of the class members ever visited Battle Creek? Yeah, we did. Mm. You did? No, we haven't been to Battle oh. Creek. Oh, okay. We visited, Andre and I visited it for 3ABN's 20, was it 25th? Uh, anniversary. They were up there broadcasting live that whole weekend. And so we visited it and we got to see um, Sister White's home and also uh, the burial uh, plot for her family. They were all in one plot uh, there in Battle Creek. Um, and um, so we got a chance to, and also see where the first general conference started. They had a building and where the first church there in Battle Creek was. So uh, it, it was quite a bit to see as far as church history is concerned. Anyway, uh, the work was started there. And so she's talking uh, about in 1865, how she thought uh, some people were just, she said, um, felt at liberty through envious feelings to speak lightly of the church at Battle Creek. And some looked suspiciously on all that was going on there and seemed to exult if they could get a hold of anything to take advantage of to the discredit of Battle Creek. And she said that God was displeased with the spirit and this course of action. And she says, from what source do our churches abroad obtain their light and knowledge of the truth? It has been from the means which God has ordained, which center at Battle Creek. So basically the, 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 the people, well, the people in other areas, I guess, around the country were murmuring and complaining against the leadership at Battle Creek. Do we have any other stories in the Bible like that? Are there any other stories yes. in the Bible like that? Look at the, the children of Israel. They complained to Moses and, and God heard them complaining and murmuring. Mm. Mm. And what, 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 anybody remember what kind of things they were saying about Aaron and Moses and well, they said that Aaron, uh, Moses thought too highly of himself and that the Lord don't only speak to him, but he speaks to, to them too. And, you know, um, they also was murmuring that, like, I was thinking about this this morning, how they were out in the wilderness and didn't have any water. And then they were blaming Moses, saying he brought them out there so that they could die in the wilderness. And so they were, really wasn't connecting all this stuff that was happening with the Lord, they were just kind of putting it on Moses and probably, like she's saying, waiting until they got an opportunity to really talk about it. Say so it. let me ask this question. Okay. What is always going to be the flip side of leadership? Followers. When, when you get people that have a perception on what should be done and that they should, it should be their way, they don't understand what leadership, leadership is guided by God. And it's going to be done the way God wants it to be, not ours, not human. It will be done the way God wants it to be. But so many times we have that, pre like, like, the, um, like they, the biblical people in the Bible, when they thought of Jesus coming, they thought of him as a king and he's going to kill the Romans and all that. They couldn't fantasize he's a king in a manger. 
he wasn't rich and all this stuff they they invade the perception that they had and that's what the problem is with leadership when you're trying to do something with thus said the lord you're always going to have those people that i don't want to do it i don't care what he said i don't care if he said god gave him a vision there's always going to be those that are in doubt a lack of faith and don't want to see progress so Leadership may come with certain privileges, but what does it also come with? Um, I tell you one thing leadership come with, and anybody who <clears throat> is a leader, wants to be a leader, aspires to be a leader, you got to realize haters going to hate. So no matter what <laughs> you try to do, there's always somebody that's going to go against you and say, oh, we should have done it this way, or his way never works, or her way is the worst way, and I have a better idea. It's always people like that. And if you dare to be a leader, you got to learn to deal with that, learn to just put it on the back burner, learn to listen to see if it's honest, you know, uh, assessment, or just to learn to see if it's jealous criticism and deal with it, but keep your eyes on the prize of what God wants you to do and keep moving that direction no matter what. Mm. So on the one hand, you have the privileges and the rights but on the other hand you have responsibilities don't you you have heavy yes. responsibilities resting on you uh to lead the people in the right as Lee was saying in the right way in the right direction and um as 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 patsy was saying that comes from god that wisdom and that knowledge of how to do that comes from god do you remember what solomon asked when he was given the the kingship what did he ask of the lord Wisdom, wisdom, wasn't it? Yes, yeah. he sure did. He sure did. And and why did he why did why did he ask for wisdom? Well, when you look at it from the perspective of leadership and trying to understand what is going on, uh, as Lee alluded to, there's a lot of, and as you alluded to, there's a lot of responsibility. But being able to understand and how to have this confluence with not just yourself, but you got others that are gonna be a part of this leadership team. You gotta have a lot of wisdom to be able to direct and, and lead in the right direction that God is uh, calling you to do. And you, know, you have to have wisdom for that. There is no way you're gonna make those right decisions just based upon even life experience. There, it's not enough. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you're absolutely right. Um, uh, <laughs> I remember being in college and I was uh, elected student government president. And one thing I learned for sure is you can't please all the people all the time, no matter what you do, you cannot please everybody all the time. And so you're right. You have to just take your lead from God and, and, and press on anyhow, even when you have other people saying, well, criticizing but not stepping up to offer help. Hmm. Yeah, another um, thing, leadership that, um, and I'm glad they brought out the uh, the Moses and Aaron and Ur and that that directive. Mm -hmm. But even in going forward, when you're looking at the prospect of being leaders and what it, that entails, and you go back to Battle Creek and the various uh, battles that were taking place because of the envious. Uh, someone wanted to be the next top person. Um, it causes a demise to, to, to pull a division within the, the ranks. 
And so when you're looking at it from that perspective, I, I go back to GC, just recent GC, when it was here in St. Louis. We, we went through something uh, dealing with leadership, uh, but it didn't start at GC. Uh, mm. The ordination of women and not mm. to, to, to go one way or the other, but that all started, there was a big, <laughs> it was going on across all the, 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 the areas and everybody was trying to pull this together and pull that together. And we're going to bring our team here for that. And we're going to bring our team. And, and I thought about what you said. It takes wisdom. Well, one thing I'm happy about is with God, he's the one who bestows the wisdom, but he's also the one who makes the final decision as to when something is going to change or when it's going to be delegated as necessary. What we have to do is find ourselves falling in place when that decision has been made. Um, and so that's the other side of that coin that you were talking about when we're talking about leadership. Sometimes I'm not going to always be in agreement with what leadership devoted on to do, even though I'm a part of that team. But I got to be able to be able to stand and work with it and to allow for what God has allowed to stand at that time. Hmm. So, you know, also, so I was going to add to what Percy said. One of the biggest things that a person in leadership uh, needs to do is recognize the voice of God for themselves. And just talking about spiritual leadership, you have to know when God's speaking to you. And it's a lot of voices you're going to hear from members, from other committee members, from other leaders in the church, other leaders around <clears throat> the globe or wherever. You got to know God said, do this. He didn't say mm -hmm. do all that, that them other people are talking about. Maybe he told them to do it, but he didn't tell you to do it. And so you're going to have to stick with God told me to do this. Y'all can do that if that's what he's telling you to do. But, you know, as the scripture says, for me and my household, we're going to serve the Lord. So when you're a leader, as for you and your duty to God, you got to serve him. You know, the other people, yeah, you pointed out, you're never going to make everybody happy. That's true no matter what you do in life. But the main person you want to make happy is the Lord because he's put you in position for a reason. And the worst thing for any leader is to uh, come to the end of their term as a leader and realize that they didn't do what God asked them to do. Mm. Mm -hmm. uh, she says in this uh, same first paragraph, she said, burdens and heavy trials come upon those who stand in the forefront of the hottest battle and perplexities and wearing thought are attendant upon all who engage in making highly important decisions in connection with the work of God. So, so alluding to what you were saying, Lee, basically is that, you know, there's a lot that goes into that whole process and you just have to stand firm in what God is leading you to do and leading you, uh, the direction that he's leading you in, no matter what the naysayers are or the haters are that come out and come against you. Um, that verse kind of reminded me of this uh, poem by Teddy Roosevelt. He didn't do everything right, but he did write a nice poem. And it starts out, it says, it's not the critic who counts, nor the one who points out where the strong man stumbled, but the one, the, the, um, the one who's in the arena, whose mm -hmm. blood, sweat, and tears, uh, and who rumbles in the dirt to make things happen. That's the one who the credit goes to. So mm -hmm. that little thing kind of reminded me of that poem. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, let's skip down to the next paragraph, unless anybody had any other comments about that paragraph. Um, oh, let me just bring this out. She, she's talking about the, in the first paragraph, talking about the, those abroad, the brethren abroad. And she said, they are relieved from all this and they should feel thankful and praise God that they are thus favored and should be the last to be jealous, envious, and fault-finding and not basically occupying a position of tell us, tell us, tell us, and we'll, we'll, we'll basically tell it to everybody else. Basically, tell us what, what's wrong or tell us what you think is wrong and we'll spread it. Um, and down in the next paragraph, she says, um, in consequence of the extra labor many have brought upon <coughs> themselves, and she's talking about those working at Battle Creek, because, of course, you know, with that being the um, center of the Adventist church at that time, the publications, the right, all that was coming out of Battle Creek, and all of that was being spread around the world. And um, she says, in consequence of the extra labor, many have brought upon themselves debility, which has lasted for many months. They have borne the burden cheerfully but have felt saddened and disheartened by the heartless indifference of some and the cruel jealousy of others after they returned to the several churches from when they came. So, so it almost sounds like, you know, uh, maybe they were having, like when we have um, the conferences, uh, when our conference comes together for constituency meetings and we're doing the Lord's work and then we go back to the churches and we're criticized for the votes and we're criticized for what took place and all of that. Um, and so she said, sometimes the thoughts or the remarks are thoughtlessly made, some are carelessly made, and some are done intentionally and by design uh, to, to just, um, just basically tear down the ones that are, are, are carrying the burden of the work. Any comments about that? Have you seen that in our, in our church? You <laughs> <laughs> no. don't even need to answer that. Mm-hmm. I think. I think the better question is, have we done that ourselves before? We don't have to answer it out loud. Mm-hmm. But I think that that's really the most important thing is that have we been a part of that? Because of this warning, we're the ones on this, you know, on here reading this stuff. So, of course, the message is to us. So, you know, at our last oh. constituency meeting, I was sitting behind someone. And every single vote that was taken, they voted no on it everything, everything that came up, they voted no, which was, you know, like surprising to me. And they just seemed to be angry and just evil about everything. And I'm like, okay, why are you here if, you know, you're not being led by the spirit and if you're just turning down everything, you know, it was- I I think we, we had read in one of our other books that there are people who are actually doing the devil's work. They're in church. Mm -hmm. But they're doing Satan's work by discouraging people and uh, casting down the efforts of those who are really trying to do what God asked for. And sometimes they don't know it. Sometimes they do and they don't really care. But again, that's where leaders have to have a thick skin. You know, yeah. if you want to be a leader in church, you got to have thick skin. I can remember uh, when Lakita and I joined the church, uh, the first board meeting was scary. You know, and I was like, I don't think I want to be part of this. But, you know, as you mature and you get a thicker skin, you realize everybody has different opinions. Everybody's excited and wants to talk. So it's not really personal all the time. Sometimes it is. But for the most part, I could say 
it's not personal. You have to learn to deal with other people's opinions, other people's research and what they think about a certain thing. And it's just all a matter of coming together. But when you have people who are doing the devil's work, it don't matter what they're going, what you say or what you do, their whole job is to cast dispersion and to throw a rock in the mix. That's their job. And they do good. But you know, so Karen. But you know, it's always wonderful when and, and I'm gonna put Christina on the spot. When when you when I worked on the committee with Christina, I was nervous because I wasn't part of the tops. I'm like, okay, she's still gonna gonna use me even though I'm north side. And she sat at a table with us and she said, "Give me suggestions." And that's what I, and and I thought most leaders, you know, if you think in terms of church, once they get those positions, they don't want to hear from somebody that's under what they consider under them. But she sat there and she and she was really polite. And Christina listened to each one of us, you know, say, this is what I think and this is what might work. And she she didn't turn any of us away. She made us feel like, you know, you're human. You just God is working with you and working with us. And we got a mission for God to do. And I want to hear everybody say, how do you think we can accomplish it? And that says something about a person that's a leader that can do that. Mm-hmm. Mm. Alvina, what were you going to say? I was going to ask, did that lady block anything on her vote no's? No. No. Mm. No, that person didn't. Uh, it's interesting because uh, when we were at the constituency meeting, that we had we had electronic voting devices, and they made sure, they said, turn in your electronic voting devices because these are borrowed from someplace else and they're going to they're they're going to charge us if we don't turn the same number back in that we that we you know rent it out and they said that several times you know turn them back in turn your voting devices back in and this person got up with their voting device in their hand and headed towards their car (laughs) (laughs) so i'm like man something's something's not right there today i don't know if they just got up on the wrong side of the bed that day i don't know what it was you know, but, Karen, uh, it goes it goes both ways. You know, I have a couple of things to say about this. <laughs> I've been under leadership where a lot of manipulation and for real, just being honest, some outright lying was going on. Mm. You know, sometimes, you know, we come into meetings with the, the decision have been made before we got there. And the decision is not really ours. It's just, you know, like a formality that you're doing this. You know it. Everybody else knows it as well. I, that is not... I believe not the work of God either. You know, I think that sometimes in this case, let's say with the lady, sometimes in that case, in those cases, I've always felt powerless. I've always felt like, you know, it's just such a waste of my time and stuff, you know, and then people can always pull out, you know, of their head. Well, she's just being led by saying, no, she's just, you know, not being cooperative. When you do express yourself or, or say out loud, you know, um, it just got to a place for me personally. And well, listen, I just won't even answer any questions in these meetings. It's just such a waste of my time to be yeah. in there giving any, any feedback and stuff, you know? So that's the first thing. And then I'm going to go back to this chapter is for each of us. You know, I, I, it can be other people centered, but we're the ones who need to grow. And so, you know, this is something that I think when I opened this one up, it was very sobering, you know? And conversations I've just had recently, you know, I started feeling really bad about, uh, you know, saying stuff. It's not just about the pastors and the conference leader. It's about the person 
who is a Sabbath school teacher or the Sabbath school leader or the, you know, or the um, media team people, you know, all this stuff that we just make these careless comments about. Even, you know, I didn't really eat at church, you know, because I was going into people's homes at that time. And I just want to be in my own house on the weekends. And, um, but when I did eat at church, people would make comments about the food and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, the goal was, what, what do you say? My, my feeling is, well, you know, if you don't like it, go home, you know, and stuff. But then people, I don't know. I'm just saying, let's be really careful that we don't miss this opportunity because this is really an opportunity to grow. This is really talking about each of us in these offices. One more thing too, this is one more last thing. As a person who also is in the church, also have been a leader in every church you know, that I've been in, you know, from the time I came into the church, I've always had an office. I've never had a Bible study, but I've had an office every time, ever since I've been in the church. So, you know, as that, I, what I see happening is people take leadership positions and don't do anything with those positions whatsoever. Not at all. Help us, Lord. You know, just not doing their job whatsoever and missing in action, you know, and stuff. As a stewardship leader, it concerns me, you know, it concerns me because we're making vows. When you say, yes, I will do this, you know, I'm going to be a teacher, I'm going to be a this, you know, a doorkeeper, God expects you to do that. That vow is not made to the church members. You are making an agreement with God that I am going to work in your vineyard, Lord, and I'm going to do a certain thing. And so it's a lot in this chapter, a lot yeah. on every side, you know, so but just want to say that one to throw it out there. So now everybody can just kind of hate me for saying it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's interesting. No, I'm going to go ahead. Go ahead Karen, I agree with Lakita, what Lakita says. If you look at your <laughs> baptism and I don't have my baptism records because I guess when we got baptized in 91, they didn't give us no certificate. But I know everybody be saying I got my certificate and I'm like. They didn't give us one. At least I know I was one that didn't get one. And you think about, you didn't promise when you got baptized to any human. You promised what you would do for God and that those 28 beliefs that you were going to follow them as the Holy Spirit would guide you and lead you and grow you. So it's not just a human promise that you made. You made a promise to God. Mm -hmm. It's very, very important because, you know, as we grow the more we study this, and um, even the Sabbath school was really good this morning, the more I really studied. That's one thing I can say about COVID. It has, you know, I'm not in Sabbath school, so I'm on the phone. I get more time to think instead of looking at people's shoes and their hats and stuff. I can actually <laughs> think about what people are saying on the, in these lessons and stuff, you know. But as the more we become, you know, as the more God becomes real to us, then the more we recognize that the things we are saying, it really is important and that, you know, um, we are not, when we like vow to do stuff, get married, whatever your promise is, return your tithe, return your offering or a special offering between you and God, fasting, you know, that's a promise you're making to God. And so we have to be just really, really cognizant of that. And, and, and we're not hurting anybody, not really, what I say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, I, I thought about um, the lesson this morning too, Lakita, because uh, I opened up and I said, well, Lakita, are you ready to teach? And, 
I, I truly appreciate your response. I'm here to, to learn, to give opinions, to get opinions and to grow. Well, part of leadership is exactly that. You can never be a good leader unless you know how to be a good follower. Uh, but the remedy to that, when I was thinking about it, our elders meeting this morning says we had to dig deep. And the part of being a good leader is, is, is considered when you dig deep into the word of God, when you allow God's word to truly manifest itself within you. And in that particular reading, it says we have to appreciate what God is giving us. And to appreciate means that I'm accepting it. And if I'm accepting it, then I'm going to stand firm on it. And so when I looked at that from that perspective, and I'm looking at this here particular chapter, uh, the pains and the heartaches, the burdens that uh, the individuals have to go through, it, it, it's not by happenstance that it happens. It, it, it's just a part of human nature. Uh, everybody wants to be a leader, but not everybody's qualified because they're not willing to dig deep. And so as we're looking at this pressing forward, I think the most important aspect is that we have to really come into a true relationship with the Lord so that we can, as, as we all said at the same time, we need that wisdom. And so we can make those, those right decisions. So you guys have been uh, uh, dealing with the flip side of leadership here in some of the comments. And so I just want to ask you as followers, because in to mo a lot of us on here are leaders in some aspect in the church, but as but we're also all followers because we ha we are um, not the head of every office in the church, um, not the head of the church, certainly not the under shepherd. So my question is, as followers, what type of what manner of person do we need to be? No, I was gonna say. Um... <clears throat> same thing which Percy had beat me to saying about being a leader and a follower. Everybody in life is going to be a follower. When you're born, you're following your parents. You're following your older brothers and sisters. You're following the school teacher. Everybody's a follower, but not everybody's going to be a leader. In order to be a good leader, you need to understand how to be a good follower. And that means respecting the leader, listening to the leader, bringing your own ideas and thoughts and solutions to the group meeting or the discussion, helping out and participating. In order to be a good leader, you have to look back at what it takes to be a good follower and try and meet the needs of the followers. They're looking for guidance, direction, you know, confidence, assistance, somebody to point the way and show them how to do it and to be involved with the group. You don't ever want to be the type of leader that just says, y'all go do this. You want to be mm -hmm. the type that says, come on, everybody, let's go do this. You want to be mm -hmm. right there as part of the troops and not think you're higher and mightier than everybody else. So to be a good leader, I think it takes a good follower. Yeah, I think that's really good too, uh, because uh, that's another thing too. When early on, when I came into the church, you know, and you have the pushes or the efforts to get out and meet and greet people, et cetera. But then you have, you know, like the leaders of the church staying at, staying in the church. And so I think everybody's associating staying in the church 
is better than being outside the church. <laughs> you know, more and more people start staying in and fewer and fewer people were going out. So as a leader, you are the example. And, you know, um, like Lee said, you have to be a good follower to be a good leader and compassionate too, recognizing, recognizing your own limitations and that those who are following you don't have a clear vision like you do, don't have a, that connection with God like you do, and you're asking them to follow you in a sense blindly. So you have to make it as clear as possible. I have a question. You know, there are some people that have have very good skills that they want to be leaders, but you know, sometime in our church, we get the same old people in the positions because they've always been in that position as a leader. When when do when does I, I don't I don't I guess the Holy Spirit hasn't touched their hearts, but when do they come to the reality that maybe God wants you to train somebody so that somebody new can get in that position and you it's like you can still be in that position as far as mentoring that person. But when do when when do those people wake up and say, God wants me to give someone a, a chance to do this? And then we find out at the last minute, once that person does get it, they're doing a fine job, which, you know, in my mind, I'm like, you know, I wish God had blessed them in that position a long time ago. But it's almost to the thing that when they, people get in a position, they don't want to give it up because they feel like it's theirs. Do you understand what I'm saying? Am I making sense everybody? Yeah, you're making sense. You're making pretty good sense. Sometimes, um, Cassie, I, for me, I think the church sometimes takes a shortcut. It's just a person who has done it, has shown that they're willing to do it. And so we're just going to put this person back in this position and stuff, you know. Um, and then sometimes the person will say, you know, well, no, why don't we try somebody else? No, 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 we just really need you because it makes your job easier. It makes it easier. And they don't have to go digging through all the people and calling people and 50 people say no. I remember when um, they allowed me and Lee, because we're not members of TOP, but they allow us to work and we're working under somebody. We was working under Pastor Hunter. We have to find somebody else who is our leader and we're just a committee. But when we started, I remember calling around because, you know, me, I don't always like do things the way it should be. Like, for example, I'm not the leader, so it wasn't my job, but I was doing it anyway. To find people to work with us. And one person was like, I'm not getting involved with that message y'all got going there. You know good and well. I was like, what mess? You ain't supposed to be the leader. You're not a member of the church and you're not blah, blah, blah. Which I quickly asked them, okay, well, you can be the leader and we'll work up under you. So, you know, then it, ah, I'm not going to be involved. So sometimes it's so, <laughs> it's so hard to find people that is just easy to carry on the way it is. But it would be helpful if a person who wants to be a part of something, if that person will stand up and say, can I be a part of this program with you guys? You know, uh, And that will let everybody know by your working with this person that you are interested in that position. You know, And I, I would love it. I'm, I'm looking for people to work on stewardship, You know, to work with us. I already got one young person, especially young people, it's like you said, you said, Pastor, we need to be training somebody else in stewardship. We need to have other people involved, you know, and I feel that desire to have more people. So anybody who want to be involved, you're welcome. And, um, you know, and I'm happy to share. Happy. And, and it's I do, very I interesting. Oh, go ahead. 
Well, I was going to say, I think that's very important on both sides because um, people have to make their interests known uh, when it comes time for, you know, the nominations and all of that. They have to make their interests known. But also, once they make their interests known, they should not automatically be overlooked just because someone else has been in that position doing it for a while. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's the whole whole point of getting new people in so that they don't have to do it themselves. Right. When they're asked, will you be a part of this committee right now so that you can be trained? You know, then they, they can't go away angry because they didn't get the leadership spot. You know, another thing, too, with with getting people for offices, um, we used to actually ask people, you know, sign up for something you're interested in. And then people wouldn't really sign up. And then people just started appointing folks like Lakita saying then that people would deny it 50 times, you know, like (laughs) Peter denying Christ. And then uh, (laughs) another reason sometimes people won't step up is because they don't want to be the leader but they would like to participate. So they're afraid of leadership, but they'll be uh, the second person in command. So it's a lot of different reasons. I think one reason uh, why we should try and involve more people because more hands make light work. Instead of you just wearing out the same five people every year, you get more people to help, then everybody's happier, more people involved, you can reach more people. The folks don't get worn out and you just have a much better time of it. When you overload somebody, I know when we first came in, we were at Kenlock. Lakita had five offices. I had five offices. And then I think we shared another office. That's just way too much. Mm-hmm. And when you have a lack of, of people to hold offices, then you just don't get those offices filled. You don't need to just fill an office to say it's filled. You know, but if you tire people out, they're not going to want to come back. But if you make it fun, you got help, you got resources. Hey, it's a joy to be in an office and make things happen. Yeah. And I was just baptized. I was baptized that year. I was a Sabbath school teacher. (laughs) (laughs) I was uh, uh, being our pathfinder leaders. I had about three or four, uh, an AY leader. I had all these, all these are major offices. offices just know? to fill the position. It's not necessary. You know, everybody, people do is they look at the manual and say, we got 62 offices to fill and we have 35 members. Some of them offices just not going to get filled. Sorry. Mm-hmm. They don't have to be filled. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's interesting that um, <laughs> I think Lee, you stole my bigot earlier talking about followers. Um, and in response to that question, you know, part of it for me, and I can only attest to me, um, we came in the church as, um, we were Methodists. We came in as Adventists, uh, back in 72 under Stevie Lewis. Um, it was interesting, um, because from my perspective, I've always was engaged in wanting to just be in there doing stuff, having fun learning this, learning that. Uh, the ideology of becoming a leader, though, was far-fetched for me. I never wanted to get into that position. Uh, I always wanted to be in that second spot. And so uh, it, what Lee brought out is so true. Um, and that's not to say I wasn't a good follower. I was a good follower. But when I went into the military, I found out something more about myself. Uh, which allowed me to understand that I could be a leader uh, and I didn't have to fear that. 
Um, and so when I came back home, uh, of course, I had went through some different things. And at that stage, I was at the point, I said, okay, Lord, whatever you desire me to do, you know, and I committed myself to his, his lead, his guy, not knowing that immediately following that, he, <laughs> he moved me from teacher to elder very quickly. And I was like, are you sure about this? And he's like, this is where I want you at. But one of the things that propelled me was I always was engaged in studying his word. I wanted to know what he had to say and what his directive was. And as Karen and Audrey know, one of the biggest things that came a part of me, and Lee just mentioned this, was the manual. Uh, I had to identify what God wanted in a person, in a leader, uh, via his word. And the manual became, became my secondary book of the Bible. And... Uh, so when I look at leaders as it pertains to leaders in the church, in the conference, there's a manual, there's a manuscript that needs to be followed in order to ascertain a good leader. Not that you got to follow it all the way to the T, but it must, you got to have some kind of objective to be able to identify that you're on the right path. And so I learned that early on as a follower uh, but be, when I went to the military, I, be, I became more assessed with learning what leadership meant. And so those are the, that, that, that dichotomy of learning the differences between the two. And so that, that was very good for me. Uh, but I am that manual person. The first question I ask any pastor coming into the church, what is your, your, your thoughts on the manual? Uh, <laughs> And, and they also, well, the manual is not this. But I said, well, for me, it, it's relative. And it will always will be because I need something to be able to look at you and to be able to determine if you're doing what you should be doing. Mm. Mm. So I have a question. So with respect to leaders and followers, Jesus said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What was that yoke? Anybody know what that yoke is? I would think the yoke would be talking about when he says, learn about him, learn his character, the way, try to imitate how he approached people. He was always, I mean, you think about it. Here is Jesus coming from heaven, to come down to be born as a human and to take on our sins and, and, and go to the cross and die. We, if we learn the character of him, then we can look at ourselves and say, where do I need improvement at? that I may be more Christ-like. And I have to admit, at the tops, you got quite a few people that are in position, but they don't, they don't boast about it. They're kind about being in their position. They tell you, you know, come and talk with me. You know, you can ask them questions. And I, and I, I don't feel any shame if I don't know something. I can come to Andre just right off the bat. I can go to Elder Warlington if I want to. If I want to talk to him and say, you know, I read this and I don't understand. I don't feel like I'm, I'm less than they are. I feel like they're in that position because they're saying, after you study it, you ask for the Holy Spirit, and there's still some things you don't understand. I feel like they're there to guide in a human way. You know, even though, like I said, sometimes you can study something for yourself and you think you're right. And when you actually hear, you know, them giving you other verses and stuff to look at, you be like, I was all on the wrong path. 
But hmm. I think that's what God is trying to say. If we if we take up and we and we become like Him, we can take our burdens to Him. We we can learn from Him to be more Christ-like. But we can't get to the point where we think we know it all and nobody can't tell us nothing. And that, I was like that when I was in my teen. I was like that in my teen years. Every time my sister got ready to talk to us about Adventists, I'm like, she's getting on my nerves. <laughs> <laughs> so that's interesting because when we're talking about leaders and you say become more Christ-like, one thing about Moses, what did, what 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 was said about Moses as far as his personality, his character? He was the meekest man on earth. By the time Absolutely. they finished beat, by the time they finished beating him down, <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Too that I was thinking about Moses today and how you know Miriam and his brother and her brother got to talking about his wife, you know, and him, you know, got to talking about him, and so Miriam broke out with this with leprosy, but in, in Moses, right after she had been dogging him out and said, "I'm saying, yeah, see." That's what you get. I'm going to let you hold on to that disease for a couple mm. of months and I'm going to pray. Mm. He went right ahead. He prayed immediately for her. You know, that's mm -hmm. the yoke I think God wants us to be about, like Pence is saying, that Christ-like mm -hmm. love, that care for other mm -hmm. people. And, and he says his burden is light. And I do believe, me personally, that working with other people and, and helping people, it is an easier burden than, you know, some of the other things that I can think of doing. And, you know, I, I, I'm going to add to that, that, of course, Moses was considered a humble man, meekness and humility, lowliness. That's what Christ wants us to be. And so as it pertains to being a leader or a follower, um, it, you know, if, if we were meek and humble as a leader, uh, lowly as a leader, um, we would we would invite the opinions of others. We wouldn't think that our way is the only way, our way or the highway. If we're a follower, we wouldn't be jealous and envious of the leader if we were humble and meek and lowly. You know, we would if, if we if, if we felt like the Lord was pressing us to say something to the leader or whatever, we would do it. But we would do it in a way that is not objectionable to God. And so I think that, uh, like you said, Lakita, this chapter is has something for us as followers, particularly. Um, certainly as leaders also, but as followers, particularly that um, we, um, there may be some changes that we need to make in terms of our talking about people, in terms of our, whether it's, it's you know, careless remarks or whatever the case may be. One of the things I was going to add is that sometimes people <clears throat> are afraid of leadership uh, because they feel like they don't have a skill, they're not going to do a good job or whatever. But we have to remember that God, <coughs> God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. So when mm -hmm. he calls you to do something, he gives you the ability. He gives you the resources. He gives you the wisdom because when he calls you, now he takes responsibility for your success. As long as you're listening, doing what he asks you, it, the success is on him. But when we get in there and it's just human nature for a person in leadership, to get the big head and think they look at this great Babylon, which I have built and think they can run everything. That's when they fall. But when you keep your mm -hmm. thoughts on Christ and what does God want me to do? What is God telling me to do? What does God expect me to do? Then he has promised success for all of the promises that he's made to you. 
as a leader. So you don't have to be afraid of leadership. And mm-hmm. by the same token, don't be afraid to follow. The Lord mm-hmm. can lead you as a follower too. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lee, I've heard it express God's will, his bill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I like that. Mm-hmm. You uh, know, and then, oh, go ahead. Interesting. As we're talking about leaders and followers, you know, interesting enough for me, and this is just my opinion, I think I'm always going to be a follower as well as a leader. I don't think I can be a good leader unless I am a follower. And I don't think I can be a good follower unless I am a leader. I think they work hand in hand. And a uh, point being made, I'm a patient advocate at the hospital and I'm in a lot of different uh, arenas at that position, but I also deal with a lot of leaders and those that seem to excel are those who take time to listen to others who are in what would be considered a lower capacity of work, uh, but they excel because they took time out to follow the lead of that follower. Um, I was telling my wife earlier as a patient advocate, not everything that comes across uh, my desk am I satisfied with. And so even as uh, being in that position, I still have to take it up to the leadership and say, you know what? I don't think this here is a uh, adequate uh, way of doing things. And I'm not in that leading position, but I'm a follower, but I'm still a leader given directive to the leader who is in that position. And I think we have to be there but we have to be spirit led. We have to be uh, in tune with what God has given us. And so uh, I think they work hand in hand. One of the things I think about is the fact that whenever we're given something, we tend to put God in the same position um, that we're in. This may be new for us. It's not new for God. God Mm -hmm. already knew he was going to be in this place with us many years ago wait long time ago he already set up some things for us and he's just now letting us in on his plans for us so we should never think that we are in the same position with god like oh this is new i'm not sure if i can do this or i can go this route or god is like i already positioned everything everything's lined up for you now all you got to do is step into this thing that i've planned for you and we'll move together with this so don't ever think that this is new to God. It may be new to us, but it's not new to him. Amen. Um, let's, um, I want to cover a little bit more in this next paragraph before we close out. Um, she's talking about um, the followers and she said, God has marked all the speeches and the jealousy and the envy which prompted them. And she said, a faithful record is kept. And many thank God for the truth and then turn around and question and find fault with the very means which heaven has ordained to make them what they are or what they ought to be, which is, again, the the whole uh, the whole um, Miriam and Aaron and Moses situation, uh, which we already talked about. Um, How much more pleasing to God it would be for them to act the part of Aaron and her and help hold up the hands of those who are bearing the great and heavy burdens of the work in connection with the cause of God. Murmurers and complainers should remain at home where they will be out of the way of temptation and where they cannot find food for their jealousies, evil surmisings, and fault findings. 
for the presence of such is only a burden to the to the meetings and they are clouds without water okay. i like that phrase clouds without water <laughs> so <laughs> it reminds me of 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 uh, the the story in the Bible where where Jesus came to the fig tree, and it, it should have it should have been in bloom and it should have had figs, but it didn't have any. What did Jesus do to the fig tree? Cursed it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, he cursed it because it, it 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 had the appear it had the promise. It, it it was it was fully in bloom. Mm -hmm. I mean, the leaves were full and everything, but no fruit on. No fruit, and we have to be careful that we, as leaders or as followers, uh, are not like that fig tree, not like the clouds without water. That we, um, we, 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 I don't want we, we, we appear to be good Christians, but then we're not because we're not bearing the fruit of a good Christian. You know, we were watching this uh, documentary about Africa, and they pointed out how a lot of times the there are ponds that are only there during the rainy season. Then during the dry season, they just evaporate totally. And meanwhile, mm -hmm. the animals are there and the animals are waiting for rain. And mm -hmm. they, they uh, see the clouds coming and the clouds look really nice and they're expecting rain and they're thankful for the rain that's going to come. And they all happy, you know, with, in, uh, uh, with the expectation. And then the clouds just blow past with no water. And sometimes that's how it is when we have people who are in position of leadership or positions of um, moving the group forward or, you know, new pastor or a new leader, whatever. And they might end up being like clouds without water. We had great expectations for them and nothing amounted to it. You know, they just came and went and didn't do anything. Uh, one of the things you hit on was about the murmurs. And we used to play these Bible stories for Holly. And she thought it was so funny because they got to the part where it says, uh, and the people were grumbling and, and they called them the grumblers. That's where the grumblers died at or something. And she thought that was so funny. And I heard a, a sermon by Pastor Snell and it was titled, it's okay to moan, but don't grumble. And he was saying that it's okay to express to God, you know, how you feeling about a situation, but don't grumble and say, I could have done better than you. And you really messed up my life because now you asking for problems, but it's okay to moan and say, Lord, I need help. You know, I don't know what to do here, but don't get to where you think you can do better than God himself. Mm -hmm. And now on that note, uh, I'm going to go down to the last paragraph. And she says, um, she says, it's easy for many to question and find fault in regard to the matters at Battle Creek than to tell what should be done. She said some would even venture to take this responsibility, but they would soon find themselves deficient in experience and would run the work into the ground. If these talkers and fault finders would themselves become burden bearers and pray for the laborers, they would be blessed themselves and would bless others with their godly example, with their holy influence and lives. It is easier for many to talk than to pray. Such lack of spirituality and holiness and their influence is an injury to the cause of God. So I, I like what you said, Lee, the moaners and the grumblers, because, you know, there's a lot of moaning that we can do in these days and times. You know? <laughs> there's a whole lot of moaning we can do, but it should not cross the line over into grumbling and complaining, you know, which is 
to me, that's not trusting God. When you're moaning and you're saying, God, you know, I need some help. I need you. What do I do here? What, you know, that's one thing. But when you cross over to, you know, the grumbling and complaining, it's like you don't trust God to take care of it. Whatever it is, you're not giving it to God. You're, you're, you're either you're keeping it yourself. You're giving it to someone else who doesn't have any ability to take care of it either. You know, um, and so I, I think that's that's very relevant and very important. It goes back to what you said, Lakita. There's there's something in this chapter for all of us. <laughs> Any other comments or uh, observations? All right. On that note, Lee, where are we next week? Okay, next week we're in the book Heaven. And we're on the penultimate chapter 19, the message of heaven. And we are at paragraph that starts out in his temple, doth everyone speak of his glory. And that's paragraph 180.1. Okay. In his temple, doth everyone speak of his glory, paragraph 180.1. And that'll be uh, next. We'll finish that chapter. Then we'll just have one more left. Okay. All righty. Um, Percy, would you mind closing us out in prayer? Sure. I just had one more thing too on oh, okay. sure. leadership. It just hit me. Uh, it was in your last reading. Let us all remember that as good leaders and followers, the most important thing we can do is pray. Uh, mm -hmm. pray that connection. And with that, will you pray for us? <laughs> Amen. Father God, Lord, we are so blessed to be able to open your word, to be able to come to a place, Lord, where we can find true wisdom and true understanding. Lord, we ask for additional portion of your Holy Spirit, even as we end the call, Lord, but let it manifest itself within us. Let your word continue to speak, continue to drive, continue to lead us, Lord, so that, Father, as we look and seek to become good followers, good leaders, Lord, we will be led by the only one who has the right directive, which is you. Lord, we ask that you would bless us this evening as we uh, come close to the end of the Sabbath. But Lord, let us look forward to the next Sabbath, to the next prayer meeting. We thank you, Lord, for your love, for your mercy and your grace. And we ask, Lord, a special blessing, Lord, upon the families who lost their loved ones. Lord, we thank you for the testimonies that were given, the excitement of knowing that even in this day and age, you can still raise someone from the dead and allow them to still have breath. We are so thankful for who you are and we love you and we appreciate you in jesus name amen amen amen, amen. amen.